I can't think of any better way to start the day off than an edge of your seat podcast. And here we are, episode 20. I am Brandon LaChance. Man, we got a lot to talk about. Short little time before I had to work. But I wanted to watch the Bears game last night before I started to do this, before I brought the 20th episode. Man, we started like October 22nd or 23rd or something like that. So a little bit over a month on 20 episodes. It is awesome. Glad to be here, as always. But what about that Bears game? We'll start right there. Bears, get a W, beating the Dallas Cowboys, 31-24. It was nice to see. Everything seemed to click, which I have been bashing the Bears because nothing was clicking. But Mitchell Trubisky had a great game. If you ask me, it was probably the best of the season. Actually, no, probably it is the best of the season. He went 23 of 31, 244 yards, three touchdowns, and of course, he had to have at least one interception. doesn't matter how good of a game he plays, he's got to have one interception. But that's the end of me bashing the Bears. I love the Bears. That's my team. So I feel like I could be rough on them, but there's no reason to be rough on them for this one. Yes, the Cowboys are deteriorating. Jason Garrett needs to get fired. He should have probably been let go a year or two ago. The Cowboys have a ton of talent. Ton of talent. Ezekiel Elliott at running back. Dak Prescott at quarterback. Amari Cooper, who I think is the best wide receiver in the league. Tons of talent. Jason Witten, you know, he's old. He's been in the league forever. Took a year off to get in the booth and then came back. But still his veteran leadership, his experience, he can still catch the ball. He can still run. He can still bulldoze people if he needs to. So I can't even say, oh, he's too old to play because he's showing that he's not. So I had to throw him in there. They have a great line, offensive and defensive lines. Their defense is pretty solid, player-wise, on paper. But for some odd reason, things are just not clicking in Dallas. But that doesn't matter. The Bears excelled everywhere. The defense looked good. Trubisky, again, I was glad to see that. I think the major difference, major difference, is that he didn't hesitate. When he decided to run the ball, he ran the ball. He didn't sit in the back and like wait for things to happen, wait to see the defense, and give the defense time to react to what he was doing. Instead, the man made a decision and ran with it. Literally, ran with it. Or he threw it, and he made a quick decision to who he was going to throw it to, and he didn't just single out somebody, and that was the only read that he was going to give him. And that's why he throws a lot of interceptions. Because of that. He's looking and looking and looking at the same guy. He's not even moving his head around. That was not the case yesterday. He did a great job of looking around, not keying on one guy, so the defense knew exactly where the ball was going. It was awesome. It was great to see as a Bears fan to see that. The wide receivers made some catches, which has been another thing. We have some drops. Every game, there's tons of drops. And the Bears had five receivers with at least three catches. J.P. Holtz had three catches for 56 yards. Allen Robinson, who is my guy right now, I'm loving him. Five catches for 48 yards, two touchdowns. Anthony Miller, who I also love, three grabs, 42 yards, a touchdown. Jesper Horstead, four catches, 36 yards. Tariq Cohen, 24 yards on six catches. Not tons of yardage. The best average was Holtz with 18.7 yards on his three catches. So they were able to move the ball around. They were able to get different guys in different situations for different gains and stuff like that. That's awesome to see. We don't have to have a guy that has 200 yards 
every game. We don't have to have only one guy that's catching the ball. We can have multiple options. And it was great to see. This is something that they really haven't been doing. If Robinson or Miller weren't converting, then it was kind of like nothing. Cohen, you try to give him the ball in the backfield, that wasn't working. So then he would try to do a sweep pass, that really wasn't working. And I mean, 24 yards off six receptions for Cohen, average of four yards. Again, not perfect. But if you keep moving the chains, four yards here, four yards there, and they were able to do that. Man, I love when Bears win against somebody that is not the Detroit Lions. No offense to the Detroit Lions. Okay, there is offense. Not a good team. At the beginning of the year, they were making me look good because I was in Texas for a wedding before the football season started. And this guy, shout out to Brady, asked me, you know, going into the season, what's something that, you know, people aren't going to say is going to happen that you think is going to happen? So kind of like an unexpected storyline or something like that. And me, just being crazy, was like, hey, the Detroit Lions could possibly make the playoffs. I wasn't high on Minnesota Vikings. I, I figured the Packers had a good shot of being good again. I mean, as long as we got Aaron Rodgers, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Too great of a quarterback to, to doubt, that's for sure. So anyway, I was just like, man, I think they're going to get in there somewhere. Maybe it's the Bears and the Lions, you know, at the beginning of the season or before the season started. Even at the beginning of the season, you know, I thought the Bears are possible Super Bowl contenders. They might sneak in as a wild card, which would be awesome to see. I don't know how many times I've said awesome about the Bears this podcast already but that is awesome <laughs> because I've been bashing them so hard lately I, I mean I'm a Bears fan you, you gotta take it how it comes the Detroit Lions have been very very disappointing and even though the Bears won both games they didn't look good doing it so at least they looked good beating the Cowboys they did let them back in they had a, a pretty good commanding lead and then they only won 31 to 24 but they still won doesn't matter it was late game touchdowns and stuff where the Cowboys were still trying to prove that you know, they could do something. Jason Giff, he's not fired pretty soon, I would be highly, highly, highly surprised. But just real quick, once again, it was awesome to see. But real quick, once again, it was awesome to see Mitchell Trubisky play that kind of game. On the season, Mitchell Trubisky is 22nd in the league with 2,440 yards. He is tied for 16th with 16 touchdowns. And these rankings, of course, are quarterbacks. <laughs> There's no cornerbacks or offensive linemen throwing 2,440 yards or 16 touchdowns. <laughs> anyway, he's also tied for 18th with 8 interceptions, and his quarterback rating of 43.0 is 27th in the league. So, not a great year. Disappointing, but he looked good this game. Hopefully he can keep the interceptions down, 16 to 8 ratio. That's pretty good. Let's keep it that way. Awesome. Moving on. If you have not seen the LeBron James walk video yet, YouTube it. You've had to have seen it. If you're a sports fan and you're listening to this, or even my mom, who is not a sports fan, I know she's on Facebook. Mom, if you hear this, which I know you will because you've been listening and I love you and thank you very, very much for all of your support, check out the LeBron walk video. He legitimately has the ball in his hands and takes like two steps. On Wednesday against the Jazz, LeBron is at the top of the arc in between half-court line and the three-point line. And he literally has the ball in his hands and takes like two steps. <laughs> and the Jazz got their arms up like, what is going on? Did you not just see this happening? It looks in the video that the ref on the bottom of 
of you know you love the television screen so the bottom of the court is sort of looking at him like where he would see it but maybe he was looking towards the paint you know the middle of the middle of the paint I don't know what he was doing he's not the only ref at the game getting paid to officiate and LeBron is literally doing some junior high walking it was like he was at a junior high game and he forgot how to dribble and I seen a press conference you know, saying, hey, it was just a mind, brain fart sort of thing. That doesn't matter. You cannot do that in professional sports and just get away with it like that. What is going on with officiating? We hear about it in NBA and NFL all season long. Every single game or at the end of games in, you know, NFL terms, every Sunday there's some call, something that you're like, oh my God, what happened here? And it's happening in the NBA. LeBron literally walked with the ball. Is it a star call? <laughs> wow. Insane. I mean, they won the game 121-96, so it wasn't like that play was going to differentiate the outcome of the game like the James Harden dunk that they took away against the Spurs. Oh my. Again, if you have not seen that, Google James Harden dunk in and out against the Spurs. The ball goes in the net and then goes kind of out of it and out of the hoop. And they don't call it a dunk. They take it away. Spurs win the game. Houston is appealing, battling hard against the system, saying that they should not have lost the game. Again, I mean, that's one play that's not the entire game. So I'm not saying the Rockets should be awarded the game. I don't think that's true. But at least the two points should count in the stat book. It should count towards his field goal percentage. And the NBA really seriously needs to sit down and decide what they are doing with these officials. Are they too old? Are they not paying attention to what they're supposed to be paying attention to? Like the ball obviously went in and then came back out. It's not James Harden's fault. He did not miss the dunk. It went in. LeBron James was obviously walking. The ball was not hitting the court when he took those two steps. And he was not attacking the basket. And he continued to dribble after that. Let's get it together. NBA basketball, favorite sport. Love it to death. Watching, following since I was a little kid. But you have to get it together. I don't want to watch NBA live version. If you didn't know, I'm a huge NBA 2K guy and live is like junior high video games to me. Do not want to watch the NBA live version of the NBA. I seriously do not. So let's get it together. As a lot of coaches around here say, let's shore this up, let's tighten up the ship, and let's get it done. One more thing before I jump into the interview that I did not discuss yet. Justin Jacobson, new Mendota boys basketball coach. He was hired over the summer. I call him a friend. We've done a ton of stories together. I wrote about him, I've talked to him many times. Great dude, Justin Jacobson, in his first season with the Trojans. They started their season in the Seneca Thanksgiving tournament. I talked to him before Thanksgiving, but we took a break. So it's a few days past, but he talks about the whole season. It wasn't just like we keyed on Thanksgiving or anything like that. I'm excited to see some good things with Mendota basketball. I know he's crazy, crazy involved in basketball. He's got the knowledge. His basketball IQ is very high up there. He knows what he's talking about. If the kids can buy in, I have faith in Justin Jacobson that he's going to turn the Mendota basketball program around. They only won three games last season, and it was disappointing. The town community of Mendota was like, what is going on with this program? And I think he can definitely change it around. 
They have some talent, as in terms of athletes. If you can, you know, improve their basketball skills and the intangibles, you know, they should win a few games this season. Hopefully, more than three, and then from there on, you know, it should be it should be fun to watch. He'll he'll have hands-on freshmen, sophomores. He's got coaches that he trusts in. So I'm excited to see what happens with Mendota basketball. He is going to join us on this episode. The next episode, which will run on Saturday, is another friend of mine, another great basketball mind, LaSalle Peru boys basketball coach, Jim Trevaney. We talked a little bit about everything. It was an amazing conversation. Lots of respect for Trevaney. Lots of respect. Done a lot of stories with him as well. And uh, when I took my little excursion to Texas, went out and, and had dinner and stuff and, and talked about basketball and life and I'll never forget that and, and things that, you know, we discussed, kind of not really a mentorship role, but just like a buddy giving advice. It was really cool. So for him to reach out like that and say, hey, let's go out for dinner. Don't know if I'm ever going to see you again. And I came back two months later and, you know, we just picked up where we left off. It was cool. He understood. He understood the grass isn't always greener. And that's exactly how it was. It really wasn't. So I came back. Here we are. And we had an amazing conversation. So before we hop into Jacobson, one more conversation I want to talk about. I don't know if you watched on Wednesday the Ohio State-North Carolina game. Ohio State comes in as a sixth seed, North Carolina as a seven. I've always been a huge North Carolina fan. You know, Michael Jordan, I was born in 85, so he was already in the NBA. But you know, as you're getting older, you hear the stories, and then there's Grant Hill, and then there's Vince Carter. And the baby blue and the white just were awesome colors to me as a kid. I am nowhere near North Carolina. I've been there before. I've actually drove by where they play, but no allegiance to them in terms of anything else. But always been a North Carolina fan. Always, always, always. And honestly, I was probably close to getting beat up or jumped in 2005 when Illinois and North Carolina met in the NCAA final. I was rocking a North Carolina hoodie with no sleeves. All my friends at SIU, I was in college at the time, were all Illinois fans. Most of them were from Peoria. I'm like, nope, I'm going North Carolina. Of course, North Carolina won, and then they hated me even more for at least a day. Always been a huge North Carolina fan. Anyway, Ohio State the six, North Carolina the seven. Ohio State blew them out 74 to 49. North Carolina didn't even look like they came to the game, like they even got off the bus. From the get-go, Ohio State just trampled all over them. In North Carolina, they talked about this during the broadcast. North Carolina cannot score. They really can't. They don't have any shooters. If they're not getting defensive stops leading to easy buckets, it is going to be a real big problem for the Tar Heels to score points. Wow. It was, it was crazy. I've never seen a Tar Heels team that offensively defunct. I, I, I think that's the term I'm going with of what I saw on Wednesday. So Ohio State goes 8-0. They're looking like a real deal. I can never pick anymore. I don't think anybody can. There's so much parity in college basketball now. Everybody's got a star player. Every school across America has legit ballers. Every school. Not just the North Carolinas and Ohio States and the Michigans and, you know, the teams that you want to be good every year. Villanova, which has put themselves in that category. Every single program across the country has at least one baller and some have more especially once they get to their upperclassmen years you see a lot of schools with the juniors and senior dominated program that are getting to sweet 16s getting to elite eights 
and it's not going to stop anytime soon. The Cinderella stories are pretty much over because anybody can play now. Anybody. You can have three NBA guys. That's, that's okay. Because the other team that you're going to play against probably has one and about four guys that could start anywhere in the country. Maybe five guys. There's a lot of awesome six men that are getting drafted in the NBA. Ton of parody. Anybody can win. But Iowa State, is, they did look really good. Even against the North Carolina defense that I thought was pretty solid, Ohio State did some damage. So I'm going to be watching both of those teams. I want to see how North Carolina bounces back. I want to see if Ohio State can look that dominant against you know other big-name programs and other top teams in the country. We'll see what happens. With that said, Brandon LaChance, Edge of URC Podcast. Come back. Hear us anytime. Archives are up. You can catch us anytime you want to. Any of the previous 19 episodes or this one at podcast.rss.com backslash edge of your seat podcast. Also, we are on Spotify and Apple Music, iTunes at edge of your seat podcast. On Spotify, give us a follow. On Apple Music, give us a review. If you give us reviews, five stars, hopefully, you know, it boosts us up in popularity. More people get to hear us, kind of sharing the word. And we would really, really appreciate that. Also, anything you want to discuss with us. Maybe you don't agree with the take. Maybe you want to laugh with us about LeBron walking all over the place. Send us an email at edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. It'd be great to hear from you. We love the interaction. Shout out to people on Facebook and Twitter who have been liking, retweeting, putting comments. We appreciate the love, the support. Hopefully this is entertaining for you as it is entertaining for me to do. Who isn't excited about sports? Especially this time of year. You got football going strong, hockey, basketball. High school sports has switched over from fall to winter. It's it's a great time. Great, great, great time. Let's kick it to Justin Jacobson. Again, new Mendota boys basketball coach. First time he's been a head coach for a high school program, but he's been around many programs and has been around the game. For pretty much his entire life. So, here we go. Until next time. Peace. Well, it's Thanksgiving. It is the end of November. So not only do we have fantastic food, we also have my favorite sport, and I believe our guest's favorite sport, basketball. So why don't we talk some basketball with new Mendota boys head coach, Justin Jacobson. How's it going, Justin? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm more than fantastic now that I finally get to speak with you. We've been talking about this for a little bit, and now both of our schedules worked out. Now we can talk some basketball and some Thanksgiving. Are you ready for some turkey? I am. I am really ready for Thanksgiving. How about you? I am. I just left the store with a bunch of food, and I'm, I'm ready to do some cooking. I don't know if you know or anybody else knows, but I'm actually an okay cook. I didn't know that. Are you going to be in charge of the big turkey dinner, or are you having somebody else do that part? I am actually in charge of the turkey, and then uh, girlfriend and family will probably help with everything else. But I got turkey, and we did some, we're going to do some stuffing, some corn, making some cornbread muffins. I mean, my uh, stepfather was from Alabama, so I grew up on cornbread muffins, so I got to have some. Got to have some cornbread muffins. When they're done right, they're delicious. Exactly. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. So what are you doing for Thanksgiving, sir? Well, me and the family are going to go up to Chicago. We're going to check out the Thanksgiving Day Parade. And then on the way back, we're going to stop at Elf Steakhouse in Joliet uh, and see what kind of 
food they bring out on the menu or what their special is. Awesome. So doing a little dine-in Thanksgiving, there's nothing wrong with that. No, you know, it takes some of the pressure off of everything, and, you know, we still get to do what we need to do and be with family, and that's all the all that this holiday is about, so. Totally agree with that, sir. Totally agree. Where does uh, where's Thanksgiving rank on your your holidays? Well, I'll probably put it back in behind Christmas, but most of that's because of the next topic we're going to talk about, the Thanksgiving tournaments and the Christmas tournaments that happen every year. And they are amazing. I have, me and you have run into each other many, many, many times at these tournaments. So we're already amidst a Thanksgiving tournament. That's what I love about basketball is you start right into tournaments. It's usually not like exhibition games or anything like that. It's like, hey, we're throwing you against teams that usually are, are comparable talent, stuff like that. You guys are in the Seneca tournament. You guys are three games in, I believe? Two games in. Two games in, you guys played Newark and Hall. Hall was last night, correct? Hall was last night. So Newark and Hall, I think they were both losses. Just talk about the game, the games, and it's uh, you know your first season, first couple games with the team. What is on your mind about the first couple experiences here? Well, they were both losses, but I told the guys after games, both of them, how proud I was for how they played and the effort that they gave. Both teams, Newark and Hall, are going to be there at the end of the year. They're going to be in a regional, good quality team for us at the beginning of the season. We played Newark tight. We had a lead going into halftime. Some things didn't go our way in the third quarter, and we ended up by losing that game. But for a coach coming in to a senior-led team and implement their own program, or our own program, completely flip the switch on these kids, play as hard as they have, and compete with two of the best in the area and maybe the state. We'll see what happens back in February and March, but, you know, I couldn't be more proud of them. Definitely. Let's go over your team a little bit. I know you do have a lot of seniors. How many do you have altogether, senior-wise? On the team, there's a total of 15 players. 11 of them are seniors. 11 out of 15 are seniors. Wow. Nice that they are playing as hard as they can. They realize that this is their last season, so they want to work hard and they want to turn what, what they have left around. I always, uh, man, it's it's always kind of crazy when you get to know these, yeah, and you've under, went through this at other schools and, and, you know, through the process where, you know, you get to know these players and even as fans or, you know, reporters, what do you get to know them? And then all of a sudden it's the senior year and you're like, Oh, my, they've already been here for three, four years, two years? Like, wow, it goes by really fast. You know what? It really does. And you're going to run into this yourself doing IVCC with, with the JUCO level. You know, two years just isn't long enough. And this year with the seniors, it's going to be one year isn't long enough because I'm starting to like these kids on a player level rather than just a basketball level. And I'm getting to know them, and they're getting to know me, and we're going to have a really good relationship between the two of us. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I've already started to understand this. Like, I, I got into the fold kind of late in practices before the first couple games with the IVCC women's basketball team. And then, you know, we're already six games into the season, and you're like, oh, man, this this is going to go by really fast. And it does. And it, and it only gets faster, you know. You start out of the gates in Thanksgiving for us. With a tournament, we're playing four games in the first week of the season. And then you're like, oh, it'll slow down play a regular schedule and then for us anyway we go right into the Comoni Classic and then right into Plano so it's gonna just get quicker and quicker so we gotta learn on the fly 
Yeah, I, I talked how Mendota starts their season off every year last year with, like you said, you go from Seneca Tournament to Kimono Classic to Plano Christmas Classic, and none of the tournaments are easy. Actually, if you ask me, I think they get harder as they go for Mendota. So just talk about that, and this is your first, you know, head coaching high school job, and you're getting thrown, kind of thrown to the wolves from the get-go. Yeah, we were just talking about, actually, me and a couple of coaching buddies of mine, and, and some of me and the team captains of this year's Mendota team, we were talking like, we have a real tough stretch at the beginning, which is going to make us really, really good on, in January and February if everybody stays on board. Now, I don't like to wait how they play the wins and losses, but throughout this process, like right out of the beginning of the year, you string some together, you're going to start making some noise that nobody expected you to because you're in these tournaments that do get harder as you go. We opened up with Newark, who isn't too far removed from a state title. Follow that up with Paul, who's regional bound every year. Tomorrow we have Reed Custer, who's huge. And then we turn around, we have a couple of games in between. We go to Colmoni and we open up with Fieldcrest, who's always a power at their level. Then you have, you know, we have Princeton in our pool. Who's going to be tough? They had a great football year. They have a bunch of athletes. And it's just going to keep getting tougher. And then you get to the Plano tournament, and you're like, well, we're playing 3A schools, maybe some 4A schools, depending on how it's seeded and what's happening. Then Dota's got to grow up fast, and I am excited for the challenge, and so are these boys. And we kind of, you know, we talked about how many seniors and stuff like that. Who are your senior captains this year? So we have four captains, um, Emiliano Arciaga, Cole Strimlaw, Gavin Glazebrook, and Jay Sean Pugh. We pick captains a little differently than I think maybe other schools do. Me and the assistant coach, Robbie Nunn, had an idea where anybody who wanted to sign up, we're going to interview them and do it like a job interview for them and ask them questions about being a captain and what it means and you know, I'm, I know he said that they did that for volleyball this year, too, and I think that that speaks to the culture that we're trying to create at Mendota through all sports. He was an assistant coach for volleyball. I was an assistant coach for soccer. We've come together for basketball, and we're trying to carry over what worked in both of those programs. They were successful. We had an interview process for the captain's job, and those four stood out to us with their interviews and the way they conducted themselves in the first two weeks of practice. So it's exciting, and... You know, they're, they're ready for the responsibility that it comes to be a captain for my team. And it's no slouch job or it's not a figurehead position. It matters. They're going to have roles. They're going to have jobs to do. They're going to be responsible for a lot of things. And not only are they good kids, they're all athletes in other sports. Jay Sean and Cole were on the football team. Gavin, I think, played football last year. I don't think he did this year, but he was on the basketball team last year. And, and then, he plays baseball. And he plays baseball, that's correct. And then Emiliano Artiaga, one of the best boy soccer players in the area. And if I remember right, he was a pretty good three-point shooter last year on the basketball team. Yeah, he was. You know, you ask the players, they might have a different outlook. You ask other coaches, they might have a different opinion. But right now, Mendota basketball doesn't choose three. I want to force the ball down to the basket. I want to get to the basket. I want to attack. I want to get layups. I want to get 15-footers because we need to build the inside game so that Emiliano and Gavin and all of our shooters can have on a field day once it opens up. So right now, we say it before every game, we say it in every competitive drill, Mendota, we don't shoot three. 
they might not agree with you right now. They might not agree with my system right now. But you know what? We've been competitive. They're scoring without it. I'm proving to them that they can do this without the three-point shot. And that's what I want. I watched film from last year on them, and it seems like they were of the old-school chucker mentality where they just pass the ball, catch it, shoot without thinking about it. Well, we need to teach the other side of the game, too. And we do have some shooters, so when we do pull off that rule, it should really open up our offense. I, that is a, a different mentality. It's kind of like the Jim Boylan rule. <laughs> not rule, but uh, when he took over for the Bulls last year as an interim coach, I'm not saying he did the same thing, but it was kind of like, hey, let's let's play gritty, down low and, basketball, and, and yeah. let's let's get some easy shots. I want to be I want to be a team that's tough. I want to be a team that's physical, and I want to be a team that's quick. And if we run the ball the way that we did against Newark, and sort of in the Hall game, even though they were better at it than we were last night. But we did open layups. And as long as we convert those, then we'll be fine. You know, they're going to have to sit back and figure out what they're going to do to stop us. And then because I have a couple of those good shooters ready to go because they're chomping at the bit to get that green light, you know, hopefully it works both sides for me. Definitely. Are those four in the starting lineup, or who are your starters so far in the first couple games? First two games, we had the same starting lineup. It was Emiliano at the point guard spot. Abraham Guzman at the two guard. Gavin Glazebrook was my three man. Alexis Quintana was my four. And Cole Strumlaw was my five. Awesome. Are you going to stick with that lineup for a little while or are you thinking about switching it up? Well, I tell them all the time, you know, every starting spot for me is open and fluid. Sometimes, you know, you get a read as a coach or the captain's going to read from a player and be like, you know, if he doesn't have it tonight or. It's going to be a rough one, and you have to make change. So right now, we haven't seen anything that needs to change, but it's always open for interpretation. And, you know, Coach and I, Coach Nunn and I, uh, talk about it after every game. You know, do you see any changes? Do you think we should make any moves? What's the best lineup? And it's all predicated on who did well on that night and who responded well. If they didn't play well, how was their demeanor? How was their body language? All of that stuff matters in how we pick our lineup and our rotation. You know, I mentioned before, you know, this is your first head coaching high school job. Uh, just kind of, you know, quickly brief everybody, I guess, uh, update them on where you've been before. I mean, you were with LP, and then let's go from there. So I graduated LP in 2007. Upon graduation, I was able to go back to LP and be like a program assistant and work at every level. Um, underneath the head coach that was there at the time, Scott Olson, and then Scott Colfoyd was the sophomore, and at the time, Randy Taylor was the freshman, so I was an assistant for all of them for two years. After I did that, I was a manager for the IVCC team, and when I went away to college, to NIU, I got my bachelor's degree, I came back to IVCC, and I was an assistant coach for the then coach, Tommy Canale. I took over a grade school at Walton Elementary for a few years, Went back to IVCC, worked for Chris Furman, who's there, who's currently that coach. I did that for a couple of years. And then I moved to Eureka and was an assistant coach there for a year. After Eureka, I went to China for a little excursion that ended up by not working out. Coach uh, youth kids over in China for a few months there. And then last year, I coached at uh, Michigan Dearborn, a Division II school. Um, to come back and, and coach at Mendota High School. Then around 
a little bit. You are a journeyman, to say the least, my friend. That's another reason why I love this game, because it's given me a lot of contact, a lot of connections, lifelong friends, and I got to travel. You know, and I, and I will always get to do that. So it's really a great sport for me, and I'm forever thankful that I get to be a part of it. How has the reception been in Mendota so far? So I've known you for a while. Um, when did we first start talking? Was it when, was it your second run at IVCC? It was. It would have been my second run at IVCC for under Chris Herman is when we first kind of got connected and then we were bumping into each other at Christmas tournaments and I was recruiting some of the games you were at. So it just kind of started from that. Would have been, uh, what? what is that now, six, seven years ago? Yeah, it's been a while. Time, Like we talked about, time flies fast. That's for sure. My question is, is you know, you've been around and, and things like that, and people in Mendota were like, man, I think I've heard this name, but I don't really know. I don't think he's been a head coach any, anywhere. And they would ask me, like, hey, do you know him? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I've been talking to him for a while. Like, do you not read my stories? I've done like three or four on this guy. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, yeah. we, we, we would talk about some basketball, and I'm like, no, this guy knows what he's doing. He's been, he's had some opportunities to go some places that, you know, some coaches don't get. So he must know what he's doing, and I think he's good for the basketball program. I've said that to everybody that's asked me. So I know it's kind of tough starting out, but um, I feel that with where you've been, your experience, what you know about the game of basketball, that I don't think it'll be quite too long before Mendota has uh, flipped the script on the in the wins and losses. You know, and and ultimately, you know, you try to win the game, right? It's a lot more fun when you win, obviously. And the reception with the town or, you know, the personnel at Mendota in terms of faculty and staff or the elementary and grade schools and, and their basketball programs and you know, we ran a camp over the summer, very last minute, and we had a pretty good turnout there. It, you know, it's been supportive, and it's been very receptive and very positive. I'm not coming in to upset the apple cart. I'm not coming in to, you know, shake down trees or anything like that. I want to come in and, and try to help get Mendota back to their tradition of winning because, you know, I think you did my first, you did my story in the News Tribune about, you know, we are committed to tradition here at Mendota. And if you were to come out and watch Mendota play, if you were to see meet the Trojans the other night or in the first two games, you know, you're going to see Mendota in some classic-style warm-up that speaks to the truth of what is tradition. And then you're also going to watch a team that plays tough on defense that can attack the basket and does the little things right, the blue-collar mentality that is Mendota. And you're right, I have... I have high hopes and high aspirations and high expectations for not only this year's team, but for the couple of years behind us. You know, we're really excited about the sophomore level, the JV level team, and the freshman team this year. They should be competitive. You know, I tell the coaches all the time, your goal at that level is to make sure that I can pluck them to play varsity when uh, they needed to be played varsity. So if we really focus on player development. We really focus on, you know, the tradition that is Mendota and have pride in that. Mendota will turn it around a lot quicker than what people are expecting. I definitely appreciate you joining us. I plan to stay in touch with you often because you're always good to talk to and it's always fun to talk some basketball. If you're cool with that, we'll have you on as often as we can. 
Yes, you can always give me a call. I mean, we like we said, you know, like you said, we can talk pretty regularly anyway. And if we can ever fit a time to where we're both free and can can get one done, I know you're super busy now with your your season. I'm super busy with my season. You got your stuff going on. I got my stuff going on. But I will always, you know, love to sit down with this podcast. You know, I think you're doing a great job. When we were talking about all of our career changes earlier in the summer, you know, I was big supporter of you starting this thing. So I think you're doing a great job. And I look forward to talking to you throughout the year and seeing you at whatever game or whatever tournament because I don't think that's going to change for us. Oh, no, it's not. We'll be there. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Edge of URC podcast got an IHSA pass. I did. I was really I was really excited when you posted that because that means you can get in and have IHSA credentials when, you know, we're competing competing in wonderful tournaments down in Peoria sometimes. <laughs> Definitely. It'll be fun. Well, thanks again, man, and happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk soon. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, and... Have a great holiday season if I don't see you before the Christmas day. You know, go go Eagles and definitely go Trojans.